This is Accent, the Air University Teaching and Learning Center podcast. At Accent, we make connections between teachers, learners, and ideas in military education. The opinions, conclusions, and recommendations expressed or implied in this podcast are solely those of the speakers and do not necessarily represent the views of Air University, the United States Air Force, the Department of Defense, or any other U.S. government agency. Follow us online at www.airuniversity.af.edu slash TLC or on Twitter at Air Teaching for more. Welcome to the Axon podcast. This is the official podcast of the Air University Teaching and Learning Center. And I'm so happy today to be with Brian McDermott. This is Dr. Megan Hennessy. I'm your host today. Uh, Brian McDermott retired as a Lieutenant Colonel after serving 20 years as a Marine Corps aviator. I first met Brian when we taught together at the Marine Corps Expeditionary Warfare School, and he was also the Marine Corps University Red Team Director. Brian and I worked together again at the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency College, and he has since also served as a tactical red team analyst at the Joint Improvised Threat Defeat Organization and the Defense Threat Reduction Agency. He currently works as an instructional systems design lead for ODNI and as a part-time adjunct professor at the MCU College of Distance Education and Training Continuing Education Program for an asynchronous online red team course he designed. Hey, Brian, welcome. Uh, Good morning, Megan. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. It's nice to hear your voice again. Uh, It's been a while. It's always (laughs) good to have Marine Corps buds join us. Uh, And today we're really going to take advantage of all of your expertise on red teaming. So first, spell it out to us. Why is red teaming important in military education? No, thanks for the question, Megan. So uh, first I wanna do, cause there's some publications out there, uh, uh, Joint Pub 5, Joint Pub 2 and others that define it. So basically I'm using the red team handbook just to give context for the definition. Basically it's a flexible cognitive approach to thinking that's specifically tailored to each organization in each situation. When doing this, it helps uh, the uh, learners that I've seen in the education world help ask better questions, challenge assumptions, especially those implicit assumptions, expose information you might not have uh, thought of uh, in the first time that you were looking at a topic or issue, and also develop alternatives that might be there. How, what's the, you know, with this information, what are the other uh, explanations or other ways that this could be viewed? And it, it helps uh, the learner rapidly shift between multiple perspectives to develop a, a fuller appreciation of whatever the topic is that they're doing. And you know, so for red teaming, I base it off of the four pillars of the old uh, uh, Army Red Team School known as the University Foreign Military Cultural Studies. They shut their doors in October, 2021. But they basically talk about how these techniques can help with self-awareness uh, and reflection, which actually ties into critical thinking. Uh, the other pillars apply critical thinking uh, to help uh, get to the higher levels of Bloom's taxonomy that these techniques can help the learner get to. Also uh, with applied critical thinking, it also helps foster uh, cultural empathy. If you don't like the word empathy, elders can say cultural awareness. And it's not just looking obviously at, uh, I'll say another culture like, you know, the US culture or the China Chinese culture, but also in internal organizational culture. What's the culture of the Marines? What's the culture of, of Air Force personnel, et cetera. And then also all these wrap into uh, uh, what you can do is group take mitigation. So if, if you see, a bunch of people agreeing on a topic and there hasn't been a lot of debate. Uh, this is where as, as an educator, you can actually use some of the techniques in order to throw another question out there or a technique to help expose uh, and take an opposite viewpoint to help the uh, learners get to that 
to help take a holistic uh, approach to the topic or issue that's being uh, presented in the classroom. Can you give us like an example? Can we run through um, how you might teach this? If, if you were teaching your red teaming course, how would you teach it uh, as an instructional tool, like you just said? No, absolutely. So uh, what I do is it's mainly more on the facilitation side. There's there are certain facilitation techniques. There's also some structured analytic techniques that are used in, in this approach toward red teaming. So in the educational space, I can use the course that I designed. Uh, so for 18 weeks, most of the course that the learners are in, which I'm currently teaching uh, with Marinko University, uh, they have to think from either the Chinese or the Russian perspective. I based the uh, I based the curriculum around the current national defense strategy, and uh, I'm able to use uh, facilitation techniques in the uh, as what I would say the asynchronous environment's a little bit tougher than the synchronous environment, whether you're in person or or live online, because you have to make sure all the instructions are put out there. So I use certain techniques like uh, think right share, uh, which combines with uh, maybe another facilitation technique like one two four whole group in order to make sure that the learners are diving into the material and uh challenging each other so you know one of the things as a facilitator i do is if i'm seeing everyone say hey i agree with your point i agree with your point and you don't say why they're agreeing with it well then i'll ask a deeper level question uh maybe use uh Another question technique, uh, like modified five whys, or if I were to use a four ways of seeing technique to say, hey, how would uh, how would the uh, Russian perspective see this topic? Or how would uh, the Russians see Americans uh, related to this kind of topic? So there's different ways to try and uh, to uh, engage self-awareness and reflection on the learner's answers. So then they dive into critical thinking more even creative thinking and really uh, get into the higher levels of Bloom's taxonomy, maybe the analyzer uh, hopefully to evaluate or create sections to where they can recreate new thought and then be able to defend, uh, I'll call it an argument, defend their argument or defend their assessment uh, with uh, the material that they use in order to design it and also see a different way on how that material could be interpreted. So uh, they can anticipate those kind of uh, questions that might be asked of them and maintain an open mind and a growth mindset in, in the classroom setting. Yeah, that all makes good sense to me as an educator and as an educational researcher, what you just spoke to is actually one of the weaknesses that my co-researcher, Dr. Tino Perez, a retired Army Colonel, and I discovered uh, together with our collaborator, Dr. Brandy Jenner, when we looked at how senior service college students solve problems and how they present strategies uh, and strategic level products. So one of our findings was that there was a real weakness or just complete gap in counter argumentation and very little perspective taking or uh, cognizance around local dynamics of war. Um, so what you're saying definitely resonates with what I've seen in my experience. I did want to ask you, what are the five whys? So a five wise is a is a, a questioning type technique where it helps dive in. Uh, you do a deeper dive into finding, I'll say, a root cause of an issue, or if you're looking at like a case study of, hey, uh, for example, why did the Malaysians uh, uh, start an insurgency, you know, in the late 50s and 60s that the British had to deal with? So uh, in that case of a case study, you ask those questions and dive deeper into what were those root 
grievances, at least in the case, in the uh, example I just gave, or uh, more like the root cause of what makes you think the way you do. And, you know, obviously it's based on uh, what we experience as well as our educational background in the past, how we're raised, but also there are cognitive biases out there. I'm sure everyone's familiar with basically it's just the way the brain is hardwired. You know, we're in what, 2021 and our brain is still hardwired like it was uh, when we were, you know, uh, slaying clubs and arrows and spears at at animals and we weren't the uh, we weren't the top of the food chain at that time as well so our brains are still nested in that hardwired that way so these techniques can help uh, like five Ys can help dig and uh, what I've also noticed is uh, once you understand the techniques you can modify them how you need to so what I've seen sometimes with five Ys, if someone tries circling back to their original viewpoint instead of asking another why question I'll ask a how question to change their their lens and how they're trying to to uh, support their their answer or support the argument or assessment that they came with. Yeah, so I mean, how do the instructors who are learning these techniques from you feel about this? Is it uncomfortable? Is it new information to them? What's you know some of their insights that you've garnered? Well, I think I think some people, as, as, if it's new to them, I mean, obviously everyone uh, is human nature a little uncomfortable with new things but the, the key is is doing the practice stuff and, and I'll say this I like to think I'm pretty good at what I do but I've learned from my mistakes and and uh, as well as my successes so I would just say if you keep a growth mindset and open and and open mind to how to utilize these things I'll say some of the positive things I've heard is that uh, using these kind of techniques it helps enhance the learning environment it gets more buy-in from the from the uh, learners because uh by using these kind of techniques, like think, right, share, and circle of voices, and some other techniques, you're putting a, you're putting uh, uh, the uh, burden of answering on the on the on the learners, uh, especially in a in a seminar type environment. Uh, so instead of me being the instructor, being the sage on the stage, I'm more of a guide on the side with some background knowledge in case I'm asked questions myself. Uh, and this is where I'd rather have the learners engage with themselves. So it enhances the learning environment. It helps provide different type of uh, perspectives, especially I'll use my example in uh, uh, with uh, Exponential Warfare School. You know, we had, I think it was 22 or 23 international students. So uh, helping them feel more comfortable and sharing their experiences, especially when it's just one of them in you know in a room of anywhere from 18 to 20 20 uh, American military officers uh, the other thing that helps with that increased participation if you're using some of these facilitation techniques uh, this will get the learners to dive deeper and in my opinion um, with some uh, uh, research and trying to reach metacognition we'll get them in those higher levels of Bloom's taxonomy to really uh, uh, reach or or exceed the educational objectives of any uh, program that you're in. And the reason why I would say this is important is if you look at the Joint Chiefs of Staff instructional uh, literature out there, there's one order for officer PME, the other one that is for enlisted PME. And if you look through a lot of the uh, literature in those two orders, a lot of them dive back into how the uh, how the leader can think critically through these things. And this is where some red team facilitation techniques, even in the seminar level, I think would help achieve or, or uh, help meet or uh, exceed those learning objectives set out in a curriculum. Thanks. Is, you know, is there any experience that you've had where <laughs> this has just, I'm going to force you to use your growth mindset here. Is there any experience <laughs> that you've had that red teaming has just completely made you fall on your face and you think later, oh, that was not the best use of that tool or think about it in terms of what you might have done differently? 
Oh, absolutely. So uh, one of the uh, things that I did not do well um, in an educational mindset was uh, I was with uh, a seminar with some other uh, international officers and uh, I was really pushing. This is where I had a closed mindset uh, based on a topic. Uh, it was about a, a something in uh, Europe about an operation that was going on and I wanted the uh, international students to better see a the American perspective, and I kept harping on the American perspective. And I and I I did use Think Right Share, and I didn't use Circle of Voices correctly. Uh, I cut them off. Uh, you know, due to time, you know, usually Circle of Voices, everyone gets to share their opinion, and then uh, you build off of each other's opinion, not your own. That that's the basics of that technique. And there's also circular response, where everyone uh, builds on somebody else's answer as and it might be completely different than what how do you answer originally started so i was uh working so hard i did not appreciate the international officer's perspective and uh they called me out on it uh thankfully respectfully at the end of the seminar and that's when i realized when i did some more self-reflection on how i did that that's where i realized that uh you know, I need to learn to better appreciate other people's perspectives uh, to achieve the learning objectives. And and so the, uh, at least in this case, the American officers can better understand a completely different perspective because the international officer's mindset and, and education is uh, was a lot different than, than the American uh, officers at that time. Right, thanks. And yeah, I'll just make a plug because we had uh, Professor Stacy Wells on the podcast this week that went live. Uh, it'll be a couple weeks out by the time this one goes live on our streaming platforms, but she specifically talks about the role that international military officers have to play in PME. So it, it sounds like you're doubling down on that. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I'd like to give a quick example about that. So when I was at uh, Expedition Warfare School uh, at all, our American, I was there from 2010 to uh, 11, I think, or 12. And uh, so this is when a lot of the American officers had experience in, in counterinsurgency operations in Iraq or Afghanistan. And we had a, a Philippine Marine officer, uh, we called him Charlie. Uh, he spoke better English than any of us. Uh, but, you know, obviously, uh, you know, the Philippine military has been handling an insurgency for now almost seven decades at that time, six decades. And I asked the, uh, I asked my fellow learners in, in the seminars, Hey, they want to ask Charlie their opinion about counterinsurgency. And they're like, well, why would we do that? I'm like, well, his country has been fighting a counterinsurgency for over six decades. Why don't you talk to him about, and he's been doing it in our arch archipelagos. It's not a land thing. It's, it's a very small islands, all sorts of, you know, very dynamic, uh, environment that, uh, and tough environment that you have to do this in. And they started asking him a lot of questions because he was he was pretty reserved, but his experience, I think, greatly enhanced uh, uh, the lessons learned from what the Americans did in, in Iraq and Afghanistan, and maybe uh, uh, might utilize some of those uh, lessons learned uh, in, future, in future operations. Thanks so much for that perspective. I think that's so important for us all to keep in mind as we're working in military learning environments. Um, so I asked you about your failure. What's the greatest success that you've seen with red teaming? So I think the greatest success, it's a, it's a little bit different than in the educational world. So when I was a strategic red team analyst lead at, uh, DITRA, the, uh, uh, I cannot remember the acronym, what it stands for, but it's basically OIOA director who was a, a U.S. general officer in the army. Uh, they wanted to use red teaming uh, to help design a new mission and vision statement. And their original thing was they just wanted us to uh, 
and I'll give him uh, that that officer a lot of credit. Uh, he also wanted to include contractors in on this process because at that time about 85% of the workforce was contractors. Uh, so he had military personnel, I'll say government uh, blue badge personnel and contractors. And uh, I had very little time to set this up, but I used some basic uh, facilitation techniques like think right share based on uh, the uh, publication that the, the general officer wanted everyone to use as a reference. And uh, we had to get all our questions validated by, I'll just say legal because of what the general is asking. And uh, what this allowed was different parts of the organization uh, to talk about uh, change or talk about uh, current mission, what they thought it would was, what they thought it could be, what the values of the organization are, and other types of questions like that. And then uh, we took all the quantity, and I used Think Right Share, and I used uh, Circle of Voices when I personally facilitated my, uh, my seminars, uh, and I gave some educational uh, quick tips uh, of some of these techniques to some of my fellow colleagues that they didn't uh, have as extensive background and facilitation as I did. Overall, I thought we were really successful. You know, we took all the uh, quantitative and, and uh, turned it into qualitative data. I wrote the methodology for the point paper. The other one other red team person we had certified on the team, he, he presented a paper. I moved on to another job by the time this was over. And uh, I had heard after they got the report and uh, the debrief from what the red team did, they actually wanted uh, both of us, but since I moved on, I kept the other red team person to stay on and help the key leadership, the GS 14s, 15s, and the general officer and, and whoever in his staff to help craft that new mission statement, have craft that new vision statement. I'd say that's a that was a good success story. Uh, uh, part of it is I had a former, uh, it was a former senior leader in the army and uh, he was a, a CETA contractor. And I won't use the exact language he did when he was part of this. He he told me it was a bunch of, uh, you know, bupkis uh, and other words I won't use. But after he went through the experience with me, because I made sure I facilitated the group he was in, he really appreciated how he was able to hear different perspectives on some information he did not think about or did not consider as, uh, as the organization was looking at that reshuffle. And what I would take from that is, you know, this allowed uh, buy-in from the participants. This allowed uh, critical thinking to be used at all various levels from all various different uh, backgrounds. And the uh, information that we gathered which much, was much greater than any traditional survey that would have been given, gave a lot more depth and breadth to the information, to the qualitative data. And then, uh, you know, we used some uh, analysis to do the quantitative data. And I think that helped that organization. So this is, this is where I say red teaming can be used in various different methods. And in that case, I would say the education uh, for the workforce was there is a way to, to uh, appreciate everyone's perspective, appreciate everyone's input. And even though it might not have been used in, in its original form, the synthesis that happened and maybe got to the higher Bloom's taxonomy where, uh, you know, the key leaders had to, had to evaluate the information they got and analyze it and then create new information. I think that's a good success story of, of what red teaming can do. I know that was more of a organizational type environment, but I, I, I have used these techniques and others that I know have used red teaming techniques, the facilitation side of stuff, uh, have achieved or exceeded their learning objectives. And it ties back into those joint chief, uh, uh, chairman of joint chiefs of staff instructions, which I know uh, all the other uh, services had to use as a guideline in order to develop their uh, programs for their military education uh, uh, opportunities for officers and enlisted.
Well, sign me up. How do I learn how to use red teaming techniques? You've made a very strong case. If I'm a PME faculty member or someone working at one of the other schoolhouses more along a training bent, how do I learn how to use these techniques? Well, so uh, I know the school is closed. Uh, the Army Red Team School is closed. So there are some certified uh, red team facilitators that are out there. I know some uh, as, as well as myself. Uh, I know one way that this could be done is uh, for faculty development. Uh, I was I gave my uh, services as my LLC offered to Marine Corps University Distance uh, College of Distance Education and Training that I can do this for them and help maybe enhance uh, how the questions that are that are formed in the in the discussion threads uh, and also using these techniques in order to uh, even for an online environment or or even in person to maximize uh, the thinking and the interaction of ideas and the exchange of ideas amongst the learners. In, in the timeline that they have. I know myself and others like me that uh, learn from the actual red team school. We can do this also on a, on a separate case basis. Uh, you know, I can be reached out on LinkedIn or, or give me a call or an email. And I know others that if you don't want me, which is fine, I'm happy to uh, give you very credible people that can help enhance this type of facilitation techniques in, the, in a classroom type environment, whether live or, or asynchronous. Thanks, Brian. That's awesome. Is there anything else you want to leave us with today about red teaming? Uh, I just like to uh, offer that it's it's not uh, red teaming is not groundbreaking stuff. It's used a lot of uh, a lot of certified research from various authors. Uh, I won't get into all of them, but if you do want to reference uh, some references, I'm happy to provide those. Whether they're army pubs or whether they're joint pubs, or uh, or also maybe some uh, research that was done by, for example, Dr. Randy Foster, who uh, was on a curriculum development team and he's done red teaming for a long time. Thank you. That's great. And for any of our listeners who want to get in touch with Brian, if you can't find him on LinkedIn, just send us a note in the Teaching and Learning Center and we will make sure that we connect you. So Brian McDermott, thank you so much and Semper Fi. Uh, thank you so very much, uh, Megan, for this opportunity. I hope you have a good day and Semper Fidelis to you also. Thank you for listening to Axon, the Air University Teaching and Learning Center podcast. Stay current on these and other ideas in military education by following us online at www.airuniversity.af.edu tlc or on Twitter at Air Teaching.